Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The government has approved a revised climate action bill and it includes specific targets on reducing carbon emissions, including a 51% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. So what does this mean for you, for me, for our day-to-day lives? Well, Brian Ledden, who's a Limerick Green Party TD, joins us on the line, as does Hannah Quinn Mulligan, who is a farmer herself in County Limerick, but also from the Irish Farmers Journal, and you are both very welcome this morning. Uh, Brian, this can go over people's heads a little bit in the sense of trying to grasp what something in a bill will mean for them. So can you break it down for us? Yeah, hi Joe and good morning to everybody listening and I hope it's as glorious down in Limerick as it is up here in Dublin. It's a wonderful day and just before I start, could I just congratulate Joe down in the bike shop for that very kind gesture of donating that bike to Angela. I saw the pictures and I know Angela from cycling around Limerick over many years and I think that was a wonderful gesture and I think we can all hope that we are cycling around Limerick um, at, uh, when we get to Angela's age. So, so well done to Joe on that. Um, on the, the climate bill, so uh, as you know, I was chairing the, the Joint Oireachtas Committee, uh, which looked at the draft bill over the last uh, number of months. And we took the draft and went through a, a huge number of sessions in order to strengthen the bill. And we did that. So what, what it essentially is, is, it puts in law for the first time ever this principle of carbon budget. Uh, so w- we are basically saying to ourselves that we're going to emit a maximum amount of, of greenhouse gas emissions uh, on a five-yearly basis. And that's going to lead us uh, towards uh, what's called net zero, which is effectively zero emissions by 2050. And along the way to that, we're going to aim for 51% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030. Uh, so the carbon budgets will be aligned with that objective. And can you uh, just explain to me about these targets? How legally binding along the way are they? They are legally binding. They're, the carbon budgets are legally binding and the government must uh, must uh, adhere to them. So, so the, the work of the Climate Change Advisory Council, so they're the, the scientific and uh, economic and expert body uh, that was created a few years ago by the previous government, that's been strengthened, its role has been strengthened, uh, and it's going to uh, decide what the, the those carbon allowances should be uh, on a five-yearly basis, and uh, and then those are going to be broken down into the different sectors. And oh, okay. so some sectors will have to do more than others. And as you mentioned, uh, Brian, because you chaired this, you obviously understand it in enormous detail, but for the rest of us, where is the gain and where is the bitter pain that is inevitable? I suppose there's going to be a maximum amount of carbon and that's, you know, every sector is, is going to have its allowance. So you might have agriculture and transport and home heating and energy generation uh, would be very, very good in some areas. We're going to find it more difficult in other areas. And I think that's the challenge that we have. Um, uh, I mean, particularly with the agriculture side of it, we are, um, we've got a strong agricultural tradition in Ireland um, and in Limerick, of course. Uh, and it's going to be that bit harder to bring agriculture, uh, you know, t- to to this kind of low emissions future. But I think we have to do it. 
Um, and I think uh, with cooperation from the likes of the IFA, from all the stakeholders, uh, the important thing is that we move forward uh, and that we protect the livelihoods of farmers particularly uh, because they play such an intrinsic role in our economy and indeed in our society as well. And, and Brian, I, I know it's complicated, but you know something emblematic and something that the majority of families still have one or two of, the motor car, the diesel and petrol car, what's going to happen there? I think there's, there's going to be a real change in transport, uh, that's for sure. And we are seeing this across Europe already and it's going to happen in Ireland too. Obviously, there's going to be a move, everybody knows at this stage, there's going to be a move towards electric vehicles. But that, that alone isn't going to do it. We're, we're going to uh, have to reduce the number of journeys that we make and figure out how, how we plan society so that we don't need to make so many journeys uh, by private car. Uh, so, as you know, there's huge investment going on in public transport and in active travel infrastructure. And all of these things, which will cost a lot of money and certainly will take time to develop, but they will lead to less uh, less of a need to be driving for you know one's everyday needs. Uh, so um, you're, you're looking at, I mean, Limerick, Joe, I probably mentioned this to you before, of all journeys that are under uh, three kilometres, 70% of those currently are made by private car. Now, that, that's low-hanging fruit. We can fix that. You know, those are eminently walkable, cyclable journeys. And indeed, uh, for those that are longer, we can really improve our bus service. And, and what well. would you say to people then listening in rural Limerick, you know, who, who may even want to do what you're talking about there, but will wonder about the infrastructure spreading beyond the city? Yeah, I think... Um, the, the rural transport piece is challenging because of the nature of Ireland's settlement pattern. You know, we're, we we aren't as consolidated in towns and villages as other countries are. Uh, I think the electric cars are going to play a really important role here. And we've got to figure out a way that uh, we can incentivize the uptake of electric vehicles for rural dwellers. Um, interestingly, just chairing the Climate Committee yesterday, we had experts, international experts into us, and they spoke about how other countries are developing these uh, cycle superhighways for for the people you know who are 10, 15, 20k outside urban areas uh, can get safely into the town or the village, um, you know, by bike. And you know, we know now that a cyclable journey is no longer two or three kilometres because with the advent of electric bikes, uh, it's very easy to do 10 or 12 kilometres. Uh, and there's actually many people in Limerick uh, currently doing that. So. If we develop that kind of infrastructure, then we will a lot of the population that isn't in our towns or our villages or our cities uh, can actually uh, travel comfortably uh, to and, and from uh, from them for their their, their daily needs. And, as and is is expanding uh, the ban on smoky coal into rural Limerick and rural areas in general all part of this? No, it's not. That that that's different legislation. So that the consultation on this is out on. Is out at the moment. Um, uh, I think it was from mid-February, so that's still still running. I think. Um, so that that's different legislation, Joe. Uh, that's really a public health thing, much more than uh, uh, carbon emissions. You know, that's uh, that's about you know fifteen hundred people die prematurely in Ireland every year uh, because of the air quality, the poor air quality, which is largely caused by solid fuel. Uh, and the campaigners for many years have been saying the only effective way to uh, to really solve this problem is to bring in a nationwide ban uh, on smoky fuels. But 
there, you know, it's not it's not a whole scale bag, and turf is still allowed to be burned. Dry wood is, is still going to be burned, and smokeless uh, coal is also going to be burned. So it's not as onerous um, uh, a, a challenge or a change as um, you know perhaps has been made right. up by some people. Okay, we're talking to Brian Ledden, uh, Limerick City Green TD. As I mentioned, uh, Hannah Quinn Mulligan is also with us from the Irish Farmers Journal, uh, based in County Limerick herself. If you want to get in touch on this, by the way, 0861239595, WhatsApp or text with dinnersready.ie. Hannah, it seems clear from uh, what Brian is saying there is that this will have a transformative effect one way or the other on all of our lives, whether we're urban or rural dwellers. Yeah, and I think a lot of what Brian said there has to be welcomed as well. You know, everyone wants to see things like more infrastructure and more cycleways and things like that. But part of the problem with this bill is that it doesn't yet really answer any questions about how we're going to reach those targets. So they're legally binding, but we don't actually have any specifics in place yet. And I know that they're to be ironed out after a public consultation and hopefully that'll be pinned down this summer. So, so are you suggesting but, that Norman will be thrown in the slammer if they're not reached? Uh, well, <laughs> well, we'll have to see. The government will be in breach of law but uh, if the targets aren't reached, but it's yet to be seen if what kind of penalties will be there. I don't think there actually will be any. But uh, it's, it's just... Agriculture is the biggest emitter of emissions. It's thirty-four percent, and we all know that. And our, and Limerick, our Limerick farmers know that because we have we are a county with one of the highest numbers of dairy cows in Ireland. So we all know the pressure is being put put on us. But at the same time, you had Minister Eamon Ryan turn around yesterday and say, "Oh well, you know, rewetting bogs will help with agriculture meeting their tar- targets, and um, forestry will help with me- agriculture meeting their targets," and yet. We haven't met our forestry planting targets for the last eight years, you know, and that's substantially decreased. You know, it's not like we're almost missing it. We're missing it substantially every single year. So it's just a little bit disingenuous to say that those are the answers. And I guess what farmers are thinking is, well, you know, the Climate Advisory Council in 2019 came out with a report with various scenarios around a cull figure for cows. And I think the most severe scenario, scenario C, we're up to, I think, half a million suckler cows would be culled by 2030. And, you know, we we just need the government at this stage to be on, honest with us about how we're going to reach these targets, because it is a 51% target by 2030. And while it can be shared out between, say, different sectors, you know, what sector is going to want to give agriculture, you know, say to agriculture, okay, we can give you maybe 2% of our target. You know, we'll try and reach a higher target and you can reach a lower one. But but isn't the point being made, and you know this as a young farmer yourself and Brian and others are making the point, that there will also be opportunities for agriculture in the new green economy? In in what essence? Because, I mean... (laughs) We, there's a lot of talk about anaerobic digestion, and yet at the same time, we what? don't have any what, anaerobic what, what digestion. Is, what is that? <laughs> it's essentially, um, I suppose, creating energy from animal flurry is, is what it is essentially. And while there are, uh, so you know, that's why they the, call the it the polite thing. <laughs> they call it the polite thing, but be a little less polite as polite as well. Like the main <laughs> con- contrib- contributor to that, say. 
to animal or to agriculture emissions is livestock. It is the birthing and the farting, the methane emissions from livestock. That is the, the main I'm really glad you just emissions. said that because, you know, whenever I discuss this and I mention it, I get a torrent of abuse from listeners about bringing it down to brass tacks. But those are the brass tacks, that's, aren't they? That's, that's, that is essentially what it is. Um, I think 89% of methane emissions uh, come from uh, come from the various bodily functions of animals. And, and are say. there things you can feed cattle to well, reduce uh, the, that output? There, there, is, there is a lot of talk about seaweed uh, additives and other bits and pieces and about breeding more carbon-efficient cows. But you know, animal numbers have essentially remained static, and it is only a certain type of seaweed that helps to reduce emissions. So we'll have to go out and harvest an awful lot of this seaweed. You know, it'll be like a do we have it field. on the coast of Ireland? Uh, I, I, I am given to believe that I think we ha- have some on the west coast of Ireland, but then potentially you're creating. But there's a new bio- industry bio- for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then are you creating another biodiversity problem where some sort of sea life? And it's not just that. I mean. I do appreciate that, well, I don't, don't appreciate one thing in that agriculture is the main emitter of carbon emissions and yet there's only one reference to agriculture in the entire bill. The entire bill, agriculture is mentioned once and that's in regard to saying it's no, but, no the distinct character. But I, I'm, I'm bio, glad you, of, you mentioned bio, that. Bi, biogenic methane. But I mean, biogenic methane, so the burping and the farting that we're talking about here, it's not given a separate target. It still rolls into the one main target. It's just a fancy word for something and we don't know what it means yeah. or how it's going to be treated I, I any have, differently. I have to say, hearing those words come out of your mouth, it's like hearing the Pope swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure the Pope does swear in private. <laughs> I'm sure he does too. I'd say from his days in Buenos Aires is a bouncer, that's for sure. Um, but the other point this worth making, Hannah, is that obviously lots of people listening to this show this morning are rural dwellers, but they're not directly in farming but this has an impact on them too of course it does yeah because if you think of say a herd out there with a hundred cows they're not just supporting themselves they're supporting rural economy they're going to the local shop especially these days with the five kilometer limits they're going to the local shop and then as well you have the local vets and you also have the local marts and it's a whole wide industry and and that's been proven but i mean i think the important thing is that the you know farming isn't against all these changes happening, but we need to be given answers on what's actually happening and how this is going to be achieved. Because, you know, saying things like, oh, well, more farmers will use low emission slurry spreading. Like, I don't know if you've seen low emission slurry spreading. The tubes sort of look like great big octopus arms. And what that doesn't take into account is that, okay, you know, less emissions might be emitted. But at the same time, you need substantially more water to dilute that slurry to make it actually, you know, go through those tubes. Um, so I hope I'm not putting anyone off their breakfast. But you know, it just needs to be thought about because you're, on one hand you're saying, okay, more low emission slurry spreading. And then on another hand you're saying water is a precious resource um, and we're getting worried about stress. Okay. Well, well, look, so Brian, we, we just need answers. Brian. Okay, and Brian, <laughs> I'm, I'm not expecting you to provide all the answers this morning. We don't even have the time for it. But just so briefly... What, ho- is bio, what is biogenic methane? How is that going to be treated? In any okay, well, there you go. There's a direct question that you could maybe answer, Brian. Well, um, uh, you know, I certainly don't disagree with much of what, what Hannah is saying there. There's some very fair points. Um, the, the first thing here is to get in, in place the, the governance structure, the framework in legislation for reducing our emissions. After that, is, we'll develop the Climate Action Plan, which will have the very specific measures 
uh, across all sectors uh, that um, you know will be required to meet the, our targets. Um, I suppose just to answer Hannah's point on you know one sector won't want to give its allowances to another sector. It won't be up to that sector. It'll be up to the Climate Change Advisory Council and the government uh, to decide. As, as they see fit, which sectors should uh, emit um, how much carbon? Um, she mentioned that the you know we haven't met targets um, in the past, and that's true. Uh, in in certain areas, uh, they haven't been legally binding targets, unlike these. Uh, but we have met some targets, and and you know we, we've hit forty percent renewable energy. So the energy sector is going to uh, really really take off now because a signal has been given that. Uh, Ireland wants to be a world leader and can be a world leader. So 40% of our energy currently is from renewable energy. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and we're aiming for at least 70%. So if we get to 70% or beyond in electricity, right. uh, then that can take some uh, of the actually, pressure off other sectors. Why doesn't the Climate Action Bill contain a specific mention of a ban on importing liquefied natural gas? It was it was never meant to. This this bill is about domestic uh, emissions. Uh, you know what the carbon we create here, uh, the liquefied natural gas issue. That's about importing frac gas from uh, from out of Ireland, non-territorial emissions. So that's a different thing altogether. Uh, and it was never meant to be part of this bill. We do have a commitment in the program for government that we are going to develop a policy position on uh, the. Uh, the development of LNG infrastructure and we expect and Minister Ryan said yesterday that that will be coming in the next few weeks uh, so we are doing what we said we would do and we got that agreement uh, between the three parties in the Programme for Government last June I was very involved in those talks uh, and we're following through on that but um, it, it that was never meant to be in okay. this bill. This is about domestic emissions. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you. Obviously, we're only kicking this off now. It's going to be part of our lives quite clearly for many, many years uh, to come and going to have an impact on each of us directly in our day-to-day lives of that. There is no doubt. Uh, thank you to Limerick Green Party TD and Chair of the relevant Oireachtas Committee, we should say as well, Brian Ledden, and also Hannah Quinn Mulligan, a farmer herself, and also from the Irish Farmers Journal based in Limerick Today with Joan on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.